You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. There's no reason to become alarmed, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your flight. By the way, is there anyone on board who knows how to fly a plane? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Avoiding Real Estate Turbulence. This is your pilot, John Lafferty, with Century 21 Town & Country. And this is Tony Abate, your co-pilot with Ross Mortgage, and we are your real estate pilots. Our job is to be your real estate advocate and also to make sure you're educated about the buying and selling process. We'll keep you informed throughout until we get you safely closed. In a real estate transaction, there are many reasons why you can encounter turbulence. Today, we thought it'd be a little fun to talk about some hot topics in real estate um, that uh, that we've come across in the last uh, couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's something that that is changing all the time, you know. And what was uh, cool and exciting six months ago is off the radar now. So it's uh, uh, it's going to be some good things to talk about today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, so uh, off the bat, I, I always love reading. Um, the latest and greatest of what's out and what's in in the real estate market <laughs> mm-hmm. when it comes to paint and design and um, accessories in a house. So mm-hmm. I, I always find it fun, and uh, and so I came across a uh, a recent survey that said these are the things that in five or ten years <laughs> you're gonna regret putting in your home. Yeah. And I, well, yeah. how could I pass that up? Yeah, that's yeah. A, that would be a fun topic to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John, it'd be interesting to go back to articles from five years ago where they were predicting things that were going to be out and see if they if if it if it bore true, you know, because they they put that stuff out there like it's gospel and hey, don't do this because it's going to be out of style. And uh, uh, I don't know. I think as a real estate expert, you you'll probably agree that there's correct me if I'm wrong that there's a there's a, a a chunk of things that fall into these discussions about what's hot what's not that are probably timeless that they just never go away it, it, well yeah and a perfect example of one are granite countertops mm-hmm. right so um 5 8 years ago i i had uh you know the local experts interior designers magazines all saying Everybody's moving away from granite. They're all <laughs> heading towards these latest trends, these yeah. glass countertops, concrete, wood, all these all these trends that we're yeah. starting to take hold. And no. Yeah. No, it's still granite. Uh, what what has changed though is um a recent trend uh, well, I'd say within the last three or four years, mm-hmm. it was very popular. You saw it a lot in new construction where the white countertops, white backsplash, white cabinets, yeah. uh, maybe white flooring or dark wood flooring. Mm-hmm. And so it was a trend for a while because it was it was a clean break from the typical dark countertops, maybe a lighter cabinet, dark backsplash. Uh, so, so it was a change, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I think for people, maybe it represented a cleaner look or a brighter kitchen. Yeah. Um, but that's changing now. People like a little contrast mm-hmm. uh, instead of just a whiteout kitchen. Um, and some people look at white, all white things, and think that's it's kind of antiseptic. It's mm-hmm. like it's sure. like it's like stepping into a, a padded room in an insane <laughs> asylum. It's just yeah. all white. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. no there's no variation. So um it's not pleasing to the eye as much. Yeah. 
John, I can I can relate. You know, five years ago is when my wife and I had our kitchen done, and the knee jerk reaction was, okay, what kind of granite counter are we going to put in? Uh, and I started reading the very things that you're talking about, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to go get granite, and it's going to be out of style before I'm done paying for it. So uh, it sure was out there, and and I'm glad to hear what you say because <laughs> we ended up going with the granite, and uh, we don't feel like it's dated, but. Uh, it, 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 you were there was no loss of articles that was saying just what you noted, and that is, oh, granite's on the way out. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and we're gonna have a we're gonna have a, a a guest of ours come on two weeks and talk about mm-hmm. the differences and what's going on with granite and quartz and quartzite and then the different type of countertops and cabinets that you can put in. Um, but but I found it interesting that quartz, which is manufactured, mm-hmm. it's um, is. About as expensive as granite now. Yeah, I didn't know because of the the patterns and movements. But we'll we'll save that for our next podcast when when our guest comes yeah. on. I, I find that interesting though. Yeah. Great guy. Looking forward to having him on. That's for it, sure. It, mm-hmm. uh, actually, it's a she. Oh, oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, different different person from the same. Company. Yeah, different okay. person, same yep. company. Yeah, but that's that's okay. Yeah. Same expert though. Same expert. Um, another thing that uh, that uh, that I read that. Uh, and 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 I don't see this in a lot of homes, mm-hmm. but I do see it in homes where you have smaller bedrooms, you have smaller spaces, um, and I'm talking about barn doors. Okay. So uh, they make sense in certain spaces. Uh, there's other spaces where you have a large bedroom and you have a barn door mm-hmm. that that slides across for the bathroom. That's maybe there for aesthetics. It doesn't sure. make sense per se to have that because the room size is big enough to accommodate a door, a regular closing door. Mm-hmm. Um, so the prediction is that barn doors are kind of on their way out and, you know, five to seven years from now are, are going to be out and people are going to want doors to get regular doors again. Sure. Um, I, I'll see though. I, I, I'm, I'm on the fence about that one because I really think that. Done in smaller bedrooms for a closet door or for a master, a smaller master bedroom uh, to cover the bathroom. I think there's a place for them, and I think they make sense in some cases. It's interesting, you know. I think that, uh, uh, and again, you're closer to it than I am, John. But uh, homes that have pocket doors are probably mm. considered to be uh, dated and and older style. But the barn door is is kind of the same thing in a different spot. It, it, it is. Uh, and what's the biggest complaint about pocket doors? damn thing never works. <laughs> it's stuck in the wall. I yeah. can't ever get it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See point. that, you know, you see a lot of those in homes built in the 50s, late 40s, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of your Royal Oak homes, Berkeley homes, um, Ferndale homes, they they have those. And, and when they work, they're fun. Yeah. But but I'd say 50 or 60% of the time they don't work. They're just stuck in the wall. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there but, used but, to be a door there, but you, we can't open it anymore. Yeah, you close to, it anymore. Yeah. Might as well just panel over it. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing that, that I started seeing a couple of years ago were the, the concept of the floating shelves. Mm-hmm. So rather than a kitchen having cabinets, they just have shelving that's open. So the dishes, the glasses, the spices and other things that you'd normally put in cabinets are just left open um, to sit out, yeah. uh, and um, the idea being right that it that it leaves the kitchen feeling a little more open, a little more spacious. So for a smaller kitchen area, perhaps something like that makes sense that you don't have cabinets going from floor to ceiling and making the kitchen feel really closed feel really closed in. So from that aspect, I, I understand it, but. 
gosh almighty, from a from a owner's standpoint, oh. can you imagine having to take those damn things off and yeah. dust those shelves and clean them and mm-hmm. and clean the the things that are on there, the dishes and dust off the spices and all that other stuff, so it doesn't right. look really yeah. bad. I mean, you've got to be vigilant about that. It looks great on the cover of a magazine, but uh, I think if all my cabinets were open right now, I'd be kind of embarrassed. You know that that's I, I don't go to great lengths to make the inside of my cabinets visually appealing, but I'd have to do that if it was all open. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not on it to that extent to where I can make I can pull. There's it off. there's a lot you can hide behind a closed door oh, that you goodness, cannot yeah. out in the open. Uh, another uh, another trend that, uh, that I, and I agree with where they're coming from on this, and it's the uh, the pallet wood walls. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I don't see a lot of it, but I do see it, um, and they they do you know sort of a a, a muted color on it. Um, and, and give it sort of like a rustic feel yeah. to the room, and it, it works sometimes. Mm-hmm. But uh, but this this uh, this thing went on to explain that, yeah, we're we're uh, we're going to be calling it the uh, paneling <laughs> of the of the uh, of the 2000s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kind of like paneling oh. in the eighties was, you know, everybody paneled oh, everything. Yeah. Wood yeah, paneling yeah. in bedrooms and basement. I still see it come across it in basements, and I have to laugh because yeah. it takes me back to my childhood well, home. It, same, had it when I was a kid too. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, yeah. Interesting about the palace. Thank you, Pinterest. Right? That means right. Like, there's ten million <laughs> things to do with your palace. Well, let's just let's just yeah, let's just couple that with um, the uh, the wooden sign art. Oh. I. <laughs> And I and I don't. I'm not bagging on homeowners. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you make a choice because you're decorating. Um, but I, I I see it a lot. You know, love, laugh, live. <laughs> I see mm-hmm. We're blessed. I, I see these in places, and it's it's personal taste. Sure. But but you know, like everything else, things change after several number of years. So at a point that'll that'll go out of style. So really no surprise there. It's uh, along with, you know, the the huge big clocks that you can put on a wall. <laughs> right. Um yeah, mm-hmm. those those are kind of heading out too. Yeah. Um but one of the things that uh, one of the one of the trends that they that they mentioned in here that I have come across not often, but I, I see it in uh um newer construction in uh particularly in, in master bedrooms. Uh sometimes I see it in basement bedrooms when they when they when they put one down there in a finished basement. And that's uh uh showers without doors. Or curtains. It's just an open shower. Really? Yeah. So you know, it's raised in a certain way. The showers, the shower head is placed in a certain way that mm-hmm. water doesn't splash out. Okay. Um, and they and they put a lip in so that the water doesn't run out. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole idea is you you have an open shower. You don't have to worry about wiping down a glass door after every shower, okay. so it doesn't get foggy, and you don't have to worry about a curtain and you know dealing with the mold sure. and mildew that gets on mm-hmm. a curtain. So I, I understand it. But from a practical use standpoint, can you imagine in February you're taking a shower in this thing without a door and all the heat just just flows right out? So here you are standing in this shower. You got the water turned on high, drying out your skin, and uh, and you can't stay warm because the heat just keeps evaporating wow, right out. Yeah. Um, so uh, another trend that, uh, that I think is probably um, – yeah. I'm behind. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's <laughs> yeah. it's one of those things. Yeah. Um the the last thing that they mentioned that I thought was kind of interesting was um 
too much white, too much grays. Yeah. I, I, I have come across a lot of grays, a lot of muted grays. But uh, but I think that, you know, you you see it in new construction. You see it in flips. You see it um, in homes mm-hmm. where uh, that's maybe been invested around and they want to move it. Uh, it just naturally – the paint colors naturally occur and, and – and I've always believed. I, I mean, you know, there's. I still come across homes that have the, the um, frappuccino color, the mm-hmm. the the light beige color. Even though we've moved away from that, we've moved into grays. Right now, we seem to be moving into blues, okay. hues of blue, mm-hmm. um, light blue, almost grayish blue. Um, they're predicting in the next few years that more darker colors, bolder colors, okay. warmer colors are are, are sort of moving in. Um, but like anything else, you know, you, it, it changes. Yeah. So I, I see that changing as well. We're just going to move into different hues right. of different colors. It almost sounds like even if you make decorating choices where an expert says it's on the way out, if you give it time, it may very well circle back around again anyway. It's, it's, <laughs> Maybe not the paneling. <laughs> That's yeah. right. The paneling is not going to come back into style, I don't believe. That's a, that's a very good point. Um, so – I thought we'd uh, we'd move on and uh, and talk about um, some of the hottest markets right now, according to Realtor.com. And and this was surprising to me that it, it appears that most of the communities that are on their list of top twenty are in the Northeast and the Midwest. Yeah, I would not have guessed. I would not have guessed. Yeah, yeah. Does that have to do with differences in what people are just looking for as far as not only in a home but also a lifestyle? Yeah, I, I think so, and and I think that it gets to um, really what. Well, number one, people are are looking at affordability. It's what they can afford, right? And and so even here, let's just take a let's just take a, a, a view of uh, Metro Detroit. Um, if you have a certain limit price limit that you can't go above, mm-hmm. um, and you want something newer, you don't want to live in a. Um, <laughs> Let's say a depressed community that's up and coming, it's it's turning. So people can't afford to buy anywhere else. So they're looking in these particular communities that have been depressed in value and are now catching the tail end of the recovery okay. in prices and in value. If if you're one of those buyers that is willing to drive because you don't because you want to live in a newer home, a newer community, a developing area, um, a more of a wide open area. You're looking to go further out and okay. further out, and you're willing to make that hour drive yeah. to to work to the office. It's worth it for you. Mm-hmm. So we see a lot of sprawl here. People moving further and further out um, into the northern parts of Macomb and Oakland counties, mm-hmm. further west in Wayne County, even into Washtenaw County. People are moving to so and Lapeer County. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so we're we're seeing that, but but I think that. For the purposes of of this survey that I, that I thought was interesting is that really they pointed out a couple things. Number one, quality of life mm-hmm. that was that was high. Um, another thing that they pointed out was ease of commute to places, restaurants, okay. shopping, um, uh, entertainment, mm-hmm. um, getting on the freeway. So those become more important and. Perhaps even school that's that that may be easy to walk to. Yeah, 
I mean, I can see people pushing for that in particular. I, I don't know where you grew up in Ohio. I don't know if your community uh, where you grew up was a subdivision and your school was located within the subdivision. But where I grew up in Warren, uh, my elementary school was contained within my subdivision so mm-hmm. that that elementary school was built in a particular area and then the houses were filled in all around it. So everybody in that subdivision went to that elementary school and we could all walk there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did. We all walked there growing up. We all walked to junior high growing up, which was not too far away. And we all walked to the high school yeah. that was growing up. And, and that's changed. Um, how many kids do you know that their parents allow to walk to school anymore? Oh. It's 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 very few, yeah. and so mm-hmm. wouldn't so you, you pay extra money to live in an area where you could let your kids walk to school again, or you could feel comfortable right, to right, let right. your kids walk to school? So again. does that seem to be a change in direction where folks it, are wanting to get back to that? It does. It does. Uh, yeah, it, does. Yeah. it seems to be a yeah. bit of a shift. Yeah, uh, now, yeah, Jen, growing up, there was no such thing as a car line in school. No, but every every school now only during a big snowstorm would right, we get would right, we get right. picked up. But. Right, right. But now that that's a that's a daily thing that schools have to manage is the is the majority of kids that are picked up by a car. So that's interesting. And uh, and yeah, I, I did walk to school, and it wasn't. Uh, uh, it wasn't considered neither a cool feature nor a burden. This is kind of how you got through your day. Yeah. And so uh, I, I can see the appeal, though, you know, where where folks want to have their families within that kind of proximity to other things, including school. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you think about when you were a kid, when you're walking to school, though you didn't know it at the time, what did it really establish for you? Independence. Mm, sure. Mm-hmm. Um Freedom to hang out with your friends and have conversations with your friends to and from school yeah. to talk about your day with them, um, to relate to them. Um, so I, I think that's a big part of what's missing, right, is is mm. parents are so involved in their children. And I don't mean this to be a commentary. But I, I should just shut up about this. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. All right. Yeah. But I'm it's a- an interesting trend, though, where people are wanting to uh, uh, you know, get back to a more – uh, you used the term earlier, a walkable community, uh, maybe with the downtown district instead of, you know, how many, how many subdivisions over the seventies, eighties and nineties where they were specifically built away from those things. It was almost like there was a desire to have some isolation. Yeah. And then, uh, then the conclusion now seems to be, you know what? I don't want to drive 15 minutes to, to, you know, go have a sandwich with my wife or go to get a loaf of bread. I kind of want to be in a community where everything's a little bit closer, but at the same time, I feel safe. And and I enjoy the community that that's developed with that kind of thing. So that's what's coming up in the survey, right? That's what's coming up in the survey, and and so uh, it's interesting. You, you, I see a lot of Midwest, um, you know, towns mm-hmm. in Indiana, um, and then in the Northeast, in New Hampshire, in uh, in Massachusetts, and and here in Michigan, uh, in uh, the uh, the area that they pointed to was was the Grand Rapids area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've ever been to Grand Rapids, you know that they have a very vibrant downtown and a lot of walkable space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really a, a neat area. Yeah, yeah. Well, a mutual friend of ours moved there and loves it for all the reasons that you're talking about. It's got a really cool downtown, uh, but yet the the community's tight. The the kids are walking and biking to school. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. So, so you know, we we see where the trend is going with uh, with with the with the types of communities that are desirable. What's making people just you know pull that trigger and say, "All right, it's it's time to move." Couple things. I think number one, interest rates. What were we all hearing 
last year into this year. And, and even I became convinced because yeah. the Fed had raised rates um, consistently mm-hmm. all oh, of last yeah. year. Um, and so we all kind of convinced ourselves that, well, we're probably going to be somewhere around 5% in mm-hmm. 2019. And that just hasn't happened. In fact, where are rates right now? Yeah, we're, we're, we're hovering right around 4 and in some cases even a nudge below, completely against all predictions from even six, eight months ago. Yeah, pretty mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. So I think, I think, number one, people are taking advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, but secondly, I've noticed a change. And I've noticed a change in the market in the last three, four, five months, mm-hmm. and that's this. Prior to this spring, if you were to buy a home in 2018, 2015, 16, anywhere in that span and you had a home to sell and you needed to sell your home in order to buy, so you were making your offer contingent on the sale of your home, you were having a hell of a time getting yeah. an offer accepted. Yeah. And so what happened? It led to a lot of frustration from people who needed to sell their home to buy saying, I can't get the house that I want. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to buy something that I that I'm not going to want to that I'm just going to be a stopgap measure because I have an offer on my sure. house. I want the house that I want, so therefore, to hell with it. I'm just not going to sell my home and they pull their house off the market and disappear mm-hmm. for two or three years. Well, what I'm seeing now is a willingness on the part of sellers, mm-hmm. more sellers, to look at seriously and accept contingent offers from buyers on the sale of their home. I'm seeing that more and more. And so what that's doing is it's allowing more sellers the flexibility to spend a little more time looking. And when they get the house that they want, more willing to sell their home uh, and more willing to jump in. And, and of course, and they hear this from friends, family, neighbors. This is kind of happening in the market. Yeah. If you thought about selling, maybe now's the time to jump in. Yeah. Yeah. I know you got to sell your home. So um, it uh, it's... What it's done, Tony, is it's 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 caused me to relent beating you up to get Ross Mortgage to do bridge loans. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We still need them, though. I will say that. Well, you know, and, and it's an interesting thing. It's signs of a more balanced market where uh, any seller a handful of months ago could put their home on the market and they were getting multiple offers right away. That's not happening. And, and uh, John, it's an interesting tie-in with the interest rates. You know, when you look at let, – let's, let's take a profile of somebody who wanted to buy a home. They're saying, well, you know what? Um, it's a seller's market right now. Uh, I'm sitting on an interest rate of 3.5%. And not only do I have to compromise on my home purchase, but I'm going to go into a 5% interest rate. I'm out, much like you said. Mm-hmm. The tide is turning. You know, now there's not quite that same gap between old rate and new rate. And the, 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 the seller atmosphere is a little more mild, a little more, you know, agreeable uh, to potential buyers. So, so yeah, I guess, I guess when you get into the whole, you know, why are people moving? It's, it, it's a little easier maybe right now. It, it is. Yeah. It is a little easier. And, uh, and, and I will say that there are still houses out there that get multiple offers mm-hmm. and, and sell in a day or two. Um, but those are becoming the exception yeah. and not the rule. And that's the change. Mm-hmm. So, um, and now, that's that's not to say that the entry level market isn't tough and buyers are getting beat up, yeah. but I'm talking about the the move up or the the move down home um, mm-hmm. f- that we've seen this change. Yeah, yeah. So the path of entry is 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 uh, is is a little more agreeable for buyers to make that decision to move. Um, anything else that's happening out there that that's causing that sort of thing to to help people pull that trigger? Say now is the time. 
Yeah, I, I also think that um, um, I think the economy is probably the, that that has a lot to do level, with it. Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, um, so people feel like I'm, I'm making more money, and the cost of things aren't going up as fast as my income may be. So I, I feel like I'm getting ahead. I'm finally gaining ground. Yeah, um, yeah we're seeing that too. Mm-hmm. You're right. Okay, that's a, that's a that's a valid point. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is I've come across a couple different things, and I, I just wanted to get your take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there was a there was an article recently that uh, that that said that you know you as a buyer you need to shop around, and and <laughs> and you should you should look at at least a couple different lenders. But mm-hmm. but this article said you should talk to five lenders and and get quotes from all of them and you could be leaving up to $2000 on the table and uh if you yeah. don't do this and article sponsored by lending tree by the way <laughs> uh but uh yeah. nonetheless um i just wanted to get your take on it and the the article is really misleading and i and i just like to uh, you know just get an idea from you of when we're talking about that kind of money, where does that really apply? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, John, I'm glad you brought this up. I belong to some industry Facebook groups where we try to exchange best practices and bounce ideas off of one another. And um, I think in large part because of social media, there is a greater ability on our industry to put an attractive number in front of a consumer from an interest rate standpoint and not really bring up what does it cost to get there? And so, um, you know, what I've always advocated is you got to look at the whole enchilada, right? You can't just look at rate. You can't just look at cost. And and absolutely, people should shop around. But uh, if I could give any piece of advice, is that you know, shop around with with using the advice of your realtor behind that. Because uh, to Lending Tree's point, uh, could there be a range in costs? You bet. But I guarantee you that if you do what they say and call five lenders and choose the lender with the lowest cost, if you keep making calls, there's always going to be somebody out there that's going to under, undercut the guy before. Uh, but now you start to get into, you know, oh, by the way, I, I kind of want to close on time. Oh, by the way, I don't want anything to change. Oh, by the way, I don't want my mortgage process to be a disaster. Um, you, you know, you can't, I mean, what's, what's the business saying? You can have, uh, you can have good, good fast, fast, and cheap, cheap. Yeah. but you can't have all three. You got to pick two, and it, it, yeah, you, you, you got. And the same goes to the mortgage industry. So, is there a variance? Yes, there's a variance. I think the thing to know is, you know, what, what's the baseline? What's reasonable costs? And am I getting a mortgage that falls within that window? You know, just because um, uh, they're they're talking about a two thousand dollars spread in costs. If, if a lender that you choose happens to inflate their costs, yeah, you're going to see a $2,000 spread. But if you compare three or four or even five good, solid, reputable lenders, you're not going to see that kind of spread. Water, water seeks its own level. Right. Yeah. Well, it's and, and in that same vein, there's a, there's a big player out there, big bank right now, that's offering to waive origination fees mm-hmm. uh, as part of their loan. And so I just wanted to – Let's just pick up the rock and look underneath and and see <laughs> yeah. um, when a when a bank does that and waives an origination fee, they got to make money from somewhere. Yeah. So what are the what are the things that maybe a buyer should be aware of mm-hmm. when they come across uh, this particular lender? 
Well, you know, I'll go back to what I said before. Rates and fees go hand in hand. So if if I'm enticed by that advertisement that says um, this lender is waiving the origination fee, my next question is, well, what interest rate do I get in exchange for that? Or what do I have to do? Do I have to open accounts? Do I have to uh, keep a deposit balance? Do I have to do other things? There's a condition. You know, one of the one of the rules in our business, our joint business, that never goes away is read the fine print that goes along with that because, John, you nailed it. There's never a free ride with this kind of thing. You know, you take something away here, it's going to be parked somewhere else. Doesn't actually make it a bad deal. You just got to kind of know what's going on with that. It yeah. markets well. It, it, it well. does market well, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, and, and let's 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 equate it to retail. If somebody says, "Hey, come in and buy this furniture; it's fifty percent off this weekend," it sounds great. Well, fifty percent off of what is is always what the question should be. That's so key. There's a there's a a, a retail outlet um, in Metro Detroit. I, I won't mention their name mm-hmm. um, for legal purposes. Um, <laughs> that that. Seems to always be having a sale. Um, they do BOGOs. They do 50% off. And one of the things that was interesting is I was in this place before they had this and happened to check out the price of a particular suit I was looking at, saw the price on that, came back for their sale two weeks later and said, wait a second, this <laughs> this suit was – Seven hundred and twenty-five dollars. Now it's regular price a thousand. It's half off. It's five hundred. Wait, yeah. Wait a second mm-hmm. here. Yeah, yeah. Same goes true in our business. And like anything, you just got to stay educated and 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 you know have a good feel for what is normal, what, what's what's typical, and what could be expected with these things. Last thing, because I know we're running out of time, but I just wanted to get your take on where the industry is, where the industry is heading as far as. Um, Electronic signings of yeah. loan documents and fundings, and um, there seems to be a movement towards this becoming reality where mm-hmm. a buyer could be sitting in a Starbucks or sitting at home in their PJs and get their uh, loan documents emailed to them. They can electronically yeah. sign, hit a button, send it back to the lender, and they get notarized electronically as well. And it goes back to the lender and, hey, we've got a done deal. So right. it eliminates the closing table. Yeah. Where do you see that heading? You know, our, our, I think our industry has always lagged uh, when it comes to that sort of integration. Um, the good news is, is that the front end now is super sophisticated. The e-signing happens all the time. Uh, we have what's called um, – uh, you know, uh, loan conditioning that's based on input, uh, that, that's, that's, that's got artificial intelligence behind it. There's some real cool things that are going on in the front end of the application. Now, to your point, when it comes to the closing, everybody goes old school, right? We all hop in the car. We go to a meeting room. There's a there's an inch of paperwork that gets passed around. It takes an hour. Uh, and, and, and the question is legitimately, why can we not do the same electronic signing on the back end as we did on the front end? Right. Well, part of the problem is is that the, the real estate and mortgage transaction transcends all the government agencies, right? You know, we're meeting federal guidelines. You have state rules from a licensing standpoint. And then to perfect the deal, it all gets recorded at a county level. And and all those requirements are not in line in sync with one another. And and right now, from my perspective, the big hang up is, you know, you record a mortgage and a deed at the courthouse, they want an originally signed document. They they want an inked document. And so until until that piece um uh can be fixed, and let's face it, you know, it's gotta be fixed with all the counties. 
You know, um, what a lender can't do is say, all right, we'll do electronic closings here, but we're not going to do it here. It's got to be uniform or, or there would just be mayhem. And, um, you know, the likelihood of all the counties coming online quickly for that is, is not great, but there's, there's going to be a workaround. And I know it in my heart that it's going to happen. And why? Because the dollar sign is going to drive it. It's just cheaper to do it that way. Right. And if it's cheaper, someone's going to find a way. Well, right, and your average your average notary closing fee is anywhere from five hundred to seven hundred and fifty dollars, yeah. and it and if it can be half that, mm-hmm. and it's going to save both parties money. Yeah, it's yeah, it's gonna yeah. we're going to move towards that. Yeah, and I think part of the backdrop too is coming out of the recession when there was a lot of problems with robo signing and fraudulent execution of documents right. and so on. Straw there's buyers, still that, right? There's still that overhang that uh, that the regulators are appropriately saying. Well, you know what? We'll consider this, but be careful. We we can't we can't bring that back into into play again. I I wish it could be that way, but um, but right now I I think we're looking at old school closings for the at least reasonable foreseeable future. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. Well, yeah. It's eventually going to happen because the the consumer and the industry is going to demand it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we have to wrap it up. We're out of time again. Yeah. Yeah. It goes fast. Hey, thanks for listening to Avoiding Real Estate Turbulence. If you'd be so kind to subscribe, review, and rate us, we would appreciate it. Please share with your friends, family, and coworkers that they can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And multiple other outlets as well. (laughs) That's right. We're everywhere now. We're famous.